It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. I heard my buddy Greg Gutfeld today. And by the way, what a great guy. His show is unbelievable. I heard him say that this effort by the government, particularly the Democrats and the rest of the media, to control the narrative really began with their war on Fox. It actually really began with their war on conservative talk radio. And that has been a war that has been going on for decades, literally decades. And obviously I have a show on Fox too. And the people on Fox, the hosts on Fox, the guests on Fox should be very thankful that the ownership at Fox, Mr. Murdoch, Lachlan Murdoch, and the CEO at Fox, Suzanne Scott, stands behind their hosts. Stands behind their hosts. When it comes to radio, it just depends. So far, I've been in good shape, but some others haven't. So conservative talk radio is always the, the sparrow, if you will, in the mine shaft. Because that's the point of the spear. The reach of conservative talk radio exceeds Fox and the other conservative cable channels by an enormous number. A good night on the highest rated Fox show, and I'm, I'm just being honest, a good night is maybe three and a half, four million. Four million is big, big, big. There are exceptions with news or if Trump comes on for an interview and so forth. In talk radio, for a major national show like mine, that's not a big night. It's not nearly a big night. And so conservative talk radio has always been the target. Fox, of course, is the target. Because the New York Times and the other leftists, the other Marxists, the other corrupt media, they don't like any competition of ideas. They want complete conformity. That's the nature of the beast. So here's the New York Times. They have multiple reporters. They must have spent millions of dollars doing a really stupid hit on Carlson. And here's Michael Goodwin from some time ago. And he writes in part, in addition to the many links between the family that owns the New York Times and the Civil War's Confederacy, new evidence shows that members of the extended family were slaveholders. He said, last Sunday I recounted that Bertha Levy Ox, the mother of Times patriarch Adolf S. Ox, supported the South in slavery. She was caught smuggling medicine to Confederates in a baby carriage, and her brother Oscar joined the rebel army. I've since learned that according to a family history, Oscar Levy fought alongside two Mississippi cousins, meaning at least three members of Bertha's family fought for secession. Remember, not just secession, she supported slavery. Ox reportedly made contributions to rebel memorials, including $1,000, which was a lot at the time, to the enormous Stone Mountain Memorial in Georgia, that celebrates Jefferson Davis, Robert E. Lee, and Stonewall Jackson. He made the donation in 1924, so his mother, who died 16 years earlier, could be on the founder's roll, adding in a letter that Robert E. Lee was her idol. In the years before his death, in 1931, Ox's brother George was simultaneously an officer of the New York Times Company and a leader of the New York chapter of the Sons of Confederate Veterans. Why am I doing this? Because here they do a hit on Carlson. They do a hit on Fox. They've done hits on me and Hannity and everybody else. But I've never quite seen anything like I saw over the weekend. All that would be bad enough given that the same family still owns the Times and allows it to become a leader in the movement to demonize America's founding. You know, like the 1619 Project. And rewrite history to put slavery at its core. As part of that revisionism, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Abraham Lincoln are suddenly beyond redemption. 
their great deeds canceled by their flaws. But shouldn't such breathtaking and self-righteousness include the responsibility to lead by example? Shouldn't the New York Times first clean out the Confederates in its own closet? That was the question last week. It's now more urgent because of this new information. He said a week ago, and this is some time ago, I was aware of no evidence or claims that any members of Bertha's family owned slaves or participated in the slave trade. That statement is no longer accurate. I have found compelling evidence that the Uncle Bertha Levy Ox, that her uncle, lived with for several years in Natchez, Mississippi, before the Civil War, owned at least five slaves. So Bertha Levy Ox, the mother of the man who founded the New York Times, lived with an uncle who owned five slaves. He was her father's brother, and his name was John Mayer, because he dropped the surname Levy, according to a family tree compiled by the Ox Sulzberger clan some 70 years ago. Mayer was a store owner and prominent leader of the small Jewish community in Natchez, and during the war organized a home guard unit, according to family letters and historians. Neither the 1860 census nor its separate slave schedule lists the names of Mayer's slaves, They are identified as two males, ages 70 and 26, and three females, ages 65, 45, and 23. That makes it likely that Mayor had slaves when his niece Bertha lived with him for several years before she married Julius Ox in 1853. Mayor and his wife had 14 children and were affluent enough that it would have been unusual if they didn't own slaves, according to Robert Rosen, author of the Jewish Confederates. Bertha, who came from Germany as a teenager, again, the mother of Ox, who founded the New York Times. Bertha, who came from Germany as a teenager, might have been horrified by the experience of witnessing and being served by a human chattel. Instead, she fully embraced the barbaric practice and became devoted to the peculiar institution, quote-unquote. She was a charter member of a Daughters of the Confederacy chapter and requested that a Confederate flag be draped across her coffin, which it was. Separately, there's also compelling evidence that the brother of a Revolutionary War ancestor of the Sulzberger branch of the family was also involved in the slave trade. And they look at the documents, and they read in part, and he goes down the list. The discovery of these lurid histories gives me no pleasure, writes Goodman. The Ox Sulzberger family is a great American family that has served our nation in war and peace since its founding. Ox himself turned the struggling New York Times into the gold standard of journalism, and the paper under his heirs often took great risks to defend the First Amendment, writes Goodwin. I will forever be grateful to the lessons I learned during my 16 years there. But it was a different paper then. One where standards of fairness were enforced and reporters' biases were left on the cutting room floor. Now the standards are on the cutting room floor, with every story dominated by a reporter's opinion. The result is a daily train wreck that bears little resemblance to the traditions of what used to be a great newspaper, trusted because it was impartial. Even worse, the Times was moved beyond over-partisanship to declare itself the decider of all things relating to race. Its 1619 project insists that slavery was the key to the nation's founding and that the war for independence was primarily about perpetuating white supremacy. This narrative is deeply misguided, according to a long list of top historians. The paper is not deterred and has ramped up its demonization of any who disagree with that or its reckless support for the Marxist-inspired Black Lives Matter agenda. Anyone with such an activist agenda had better be purer than Caesar's wife. The Times clearly fails that test and owes its staff, stockholders, and readers a full account of the slaveholders and Confederates in its past. Yes. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? And yet the New York Times has considered the gold standard, ladies and gentlemen. And we have people who work there, Maggie Haberman and others, who are proud to be part of a corporation. That's what it is, a business, a corporation, 
whose founders are direct descendants of a slaveholding family and whose family was supportive of the Confederacy. It's much worse than that. It's much worse than that. And they want you to believe, and it took 20,000 words to write it, that Carlson is a racist and white supremacist. Again, he and I don't always agree, that's for sure. But he's not that either. You call somebody those sorts of things with the kind of nonsense that they wrote, as I say, I couldn't read all of it, but I read enough of it. It's really quite appalling. On top of what I just read to you, the New York Times has a long history of anti-Semitism, despite being owned by an ostensibly Jewish family. By the time of the 1930s and 40s, that Jewish family was embarrassed about the Jewish faith. And they wanted to be sort of a universalized newspaper, and they didn't want people to think of the ownership as Jewish. And it took great steps to try and conceal that information by the way it failed to cover the Holocaust. Just as its affinity a decade earlier for the Russian Revolution, I've talked to you about the so-called progressives, the neo-Marxists, phony intellectuals of that time. How they were basically Marxists and Americanized Marxism. The New York Times was extremely sympathetic, which is why for so long it covered up for Stalin and its correspondent, Walter Durante, was on Stalin's payroll and did Stalin's bidding. They gave him a girlfriend, an automobile, the finest foods to eat. And he reciprocated with years of lies in the news pages of the New York Times. And executives at the New York Times in New York knew it and had to know it. Because there were complaints brought to the top people at the New York Times by foreign news reporters, particularly the British and other Western European countries. And the New York Times did absolutely nothing about it except accept a Pulitzer Prize for him and them. New York Times is in no position. Not now, not tomorrow, not yesterday be accusing people of racism, white supremacy, not because they're racists and white supremacists, but they're not, because the New York Times disagrees with them. Any corporation that has had such a a horrific history When it comes to civil liberties, genocide, censorship, should not even be in business. And it takes that attitude when it reports on Donald Trump and his supporters. Takes that attitude when it attacks hosts at Fox. Takes that attitude when it attacks hosts, as it has me, in conservative talk radio. Consider the source. What a damnable source. The New York Times. What a disgrace to the human race. All religions, all faiths, all people. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? 
This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. I have predicted here, unfortunately, sadly, that we are going to have brownouts and blackouts. Because of the strain that's going to be put on our electrical grid and our production of electricity, period. There can never be enough windmills or solar panels to make up the difference or create electricity. It's not going to happen. The technology is not yet there. And it doesn't happen because people pass laws or make demands. Those are called politicians who never get dirt under their fingernails or have sleepless nights trying to develop products and technologies. You can also see we're beginning to have shortages of other necessities that sustain us. Paper. Paper. Why would that be? Because the decisions of this administration that is aimed at the production of lumber and logging and clearing out dead wood out of forests and so forth. That also means the price of building homes will skyrocket. There's a lot of wood in your home. The war on fossil fuels means there will be food shortages. You need fossil fuel to manufacture fertilizer. Now the left and the Nationalist populists want you to believe that's due to Putin, since we imported fertilizer. Now, ladies and gentlemen, once again, if we turned loose our oil businesses, we'd have plenty of fertilizer, we'd have plenty of fuel. We are blessed as a people for the resources that are under our feet, thanks to God and nothing else, and to our capitalist system that has shown us how to get it and how to use it. Several hundred years worth. And yet we're on this economic suicide mission because of the left. That's the whole climate change movement. Remember what I told you, it's the degrowth movement. Farmers need tractors. Tractors need fuel. Crops need fertilizer. Fertilizers made in part from fuel. Trucks transport things. Trucks need fuel. Food needs to be wrapped in stuff, whether it's cellophane or whatever it is, foam, all made from fuel. You have less fuel, you have less food. It's that simple. You have less fuel, you have less clothing. You have less fuel, you have less housing. And to the extent you do have these things, the prices go through the roof. We are, if you will, manufacturing shortages now. Now, any farmer will tell you, and I'm no expert, but I know enough to know that when you plant crops, that doesn't mean you automatically have food. You have to tend to the crops. That takes time. If you grow crops now or soon, plant them, it'll be several months before you can harvest them. What I'm trying to say is the impact 
on with fuel prices and fertilizer shortages in prices now will be felt later in this year and they will be significant and they're going to blame big ag like they do big meat and big oil but it's the politicians who are the modern day robber barons when you centralize the control of fuel of health care of food production and all the rest you get less of it less of it at a much higher price You create poverty, not wealth. You create shortages, not productivity. And that's exactly what's happening now. It's exactly what's happening now. These central planners do not have the competence to be central planners. As a matter of fact, nobody has the competence to be central planner. I would tell our nationalist populist friends, as well as the Marxists. Central planning cannot work. When I watched the director of one of our federal diplomatic agencies talk about now's the time to transition away from fossil fuels, when I watched the secretary of transportation, who before this was a mayor of a small town, nothing more, nothing less, who tells us now's the time to transition. When I march a man in the Oval Office who doesn't know what time of day it is to tell us now's the time to transition. When I watch John F. Kennedy, excuse me, John F. Kerry, and I watch him lecture us About climate change, a multimillionaire who flies private jets, uses yachts, and all the rest. These people don't have the foggiest idea what they're doing. They are driven by ideology and their radical base. I wrote all about this in Liberty and Tyranny. If it were left to the government to feed us, we would starve to death. Starve to death. I watch these phony moderate Democrats like this guy, Goshheimer, who represents a northern part of New Jersey outside of New York that used to be Republican. And I watched him on a Fox show this morning. The guy talks out of both sides of his mouth. He has no plans. He has no principles. He has no way to help his constituents, including my mother-in-law. None. He's a toady. He's useless. And yet he's running as a moderate. He's concerned about the border. What would he do? It's a man who votes for the leadership that exists in the House, Pelosi, and he'll vote for her to be Speaker again, even when they're in the minority. He's got over 90% record, perhaps over 95% voting with Pelosi. And there he is in New Jersey, Bergen County, among other places, with the phony, corrupt media pretending to be a moderate. And he's not alone. We've got two of them in Virginia. You've got them in Michigan. You have them in Pennsylvania. Now's the time to defeat these people, ladies and gentlemen. Defeat them. They provide cover to the radical Marxist agenda of the Democrat Party. Manchin, no different. I may be in the minority on this when it comes to talk show hosts. I don't care. We need something better than somebody who plays footsie with the Democrats and footsies with the Republicans. I'm not interested in footsies. Leadership. Statesmen. That's what we need. That's what we must have. If we're going to get through this. And we're going to need to show the country and, in fact, the world just how serious we take this war on America before I even get to Russia or China or Iran or all the rest of it. The war from within. The Democrat Party hates this country. And yet more and more we live in the United States of the Democrat Party. They rule 
by executive order. They rule by bureaucratic fiat and regulation. If they can pass legislation, they'll rule by legislation. They rule by judicial fiat. The vast majority of the laws that pass in this country, the rules that are imposed on us, are not as a result of representative government. Are not as a result of representative government. It's the result of a growing tyranny. Now, before I take the break, Ministry of Truth. Ministry of Truth. How fascistic of them. Okay. You want a Ministry of Truth? I'll make a proclamation right now, America, Mr. Producer. This is the Ministry of Truth. This is the Ministry of Truth. I don't impose my will on anybody. I have no lawmaking power. I can't penalize, fine anybody. But they want a Ministry of Truth? We got one. Right here. Mark Levin. You are listening to the best of Mark Levin. The New York Times, by some mechanism, determined that should this leaked first draft relating to Roe and Casey become actual a Supreme Court majority decision, it would reduce abortions by 13% in this country. That, of course, is intolerable to the radical left. I just want people to understand it does not eliminate abortion. It does not eliminate federal funding for abortion. It does not eliminate federal law providing for abortion. It does not eliminate states providing for abortion. But that's not good enough for the left. Not good enough. And the freedom to choose has nothing to do with the moral issue. And the freedom to choose didn't exist when it came to vaccines and masks. So the left has no real moral barometer. No real moral barometer. So a friend of mine who is in a gay marriage says to me, I'm really worried about what's going to happen now. And one of the reasons he's worried is because Joe Biden made statements today that are utterly pathetic and irresponsible. Utterly pathetic and irresponsible. Here's an example. Cut three, go. First of all, I just got a call saying that it's been announced that it is a real draft, but it doesn't represent who's going to vote for it yet. I hope there are not enough votes for it. It's the main reason why I've worked so hard to keep Robert Bork off the court. It reflects his view almost, almost worse. Anyway, look, the idea that it concerns me a great deal that we're going to, after 50 years, decide a woman does not have a right to choose. Uh, Where does the opinion say that? Where does it say that? They basically say, hey, this isn't a federal issue. Where does it say that? Nowhere. I wish it were the case, but that's not the way the world works. Because there's another party here, the baby. Go ahead. Supreme Court decision, number one. But even more, the equal is profound is the rationale used. And it would mean that every other decision relating to the notion of privacy is thrown into question. So what's happening now is he and the Democrats and their media are trying to exploit women and exploit this issue. Women, I want you to understand something. They pretend to support you because they are... Abortion fanatics, they couldn't even define what a woman was a few weeks ago. Now they talk about a woman's right to choose. But when they're 
nominee to the Supreme Court was asked to define a woman, she needed a biologist. And when it comes to equal rights and women in sports under Title IX, they've destroyed it. They're not looking out for women. They're trying to exploit this issue. They're exploiting women. They're exploiting womanhood. That's what they're doing. They don't believe in privacy. They believe in surveillance, data collection, compelling you to do things against your will and perhaps against your interests. They don't believe in privacy. Now I want to read you something that comes right out of the opinion that was leaked, right out of the first draft. I want you to listen to this. You just heard what Joe Biden did and what he tried. It's called this privacy right. I wrote all about it in Men in Black, my first book, as I wrote about Roe v. Wade and Lawrence versus Texas and all these other decisions you don't need to know about. I'm just telling you a line of decisions the radicals in the court developed and put together to create a right to privacy, except, of course, when the left doesn't want you to have a right to privacy. Here is what Alito wrote in this draft decision. It's there for every reporter to read, every politician to read, but they don't care. This is an exploitation. Quote, unable to show concrete reliance on Roe and Casey themselves, the Solicitor General, that's the top lawyer for the Biden administration, suggests that overruling those decisions would, quote, threaten the court's precedents, holding that the Due Process Clause protects other rights. And what they mean by that are privacy rights and marriage rights and everything else he just mentioned. So what does Alito say in what would be a majority opinion if it's, if it's carried through? That is not correct for reasons we have already discussed. As even the Casey plurality recognized, quote, abortion is a unique act, unquote, because it terminates, quote, life or potential life, unquote. It is... Inherently different from marital intimacy, marriage, or procreation. And to ensure that our decision is not misunderstood or mischaracterized, we emphasize that our decision concerns the constitutional right to abortion and no other right. Nothing in this opinion should be understood to cast doubt on precedents that do not concern abortion. Could it be any clearer, Mr. Producer? has nothing to do with same-sex marriage, has nothing to do with procreation, nothing to do with any of it. They couldn't be clear. So why are the media and the Democrats and Biden ignoring this? Because they have to. Folks, in some ways, this decision is monumental. In other ways, it's inconsequential. It's monumental because it reverses a stain placed on the Constitution by activist justices. The Roe decision was written and voted on by men. Did I mention that? Men. That said, the court could not be clear. So they want people who are gay, they want all kinds of people to get all upset and worked up. There's no reason to. This has nothing to do with you. They want women who, who feel that abortion is a right and a choice to be upset. Depending on the state, it's still a right and a choice. And if you live in a state that says it's not, you can travel to another state. That's the genius of our constitutional system in the Tenth Amendment. That's the genius of the system. What the court did in Roe versus Wade and then later Casey is they destroyed that. The reason why this has been for so long a civil society is because states have different approaches to things like criminal law, civil law, taxes, 
states have different approaches. If you don't accept that, then the death penalty should exist in every state or not exist in every state. We can't have a patchwork, according to some Democrat senators. That's the whole point of the Constitution, to have a patchwork. That's the whole point. Now let me ask you another question. Who stated the following, and I quote, Roe halted a political process that was moving in a reform direction and thereby prolonged divisiveness and deferred stable settlement of the issue. Who is that? Ruth Bader Ginsburg in 1992 in an interview published in the New York University Law Review. She argued that Roe halted a political process, I'm quoting, that was moving in a reform direction and thereby, I believe, prolonged divisiveness and deferred stable settlement of the issue. Well, that's exactly what it did. It's exactly what it did. There's simply no question about it. So the Democrats, once again, are involved in exploitation. They are promoting... They are promoting abortion. They're not defending rights. They're promoting it. They're ignoring the science. The science tells us that's a baby. You know, Roe versus Wade sets up a trimester uh, model. It legislates. They actually write it. The first trimester... is a pure choice because they wrote back almost half a century ago that the fetus is not viable on its own. The second trimester is more ambiguous, but again, but again, the state has an interest in the second trimester but it's not a, an, the, the final interest. And then in the third trimester, the state has the primary interest. Abortion is essentially not a right, except for medical reasons. Tell me, is that the position of the state of California? No. Is that the position of the state of New York? No. Is that the position of the state of New Jersey? No. Is that the position of the state of Illinois? No. These dark blue states, the same ones that were pushing people into nursing homes with the highest death rates of the elderly, their position is screw Roe. That's just guidance. Abortion on demand. We literally had a Virginia governor, a Democrat, Northam, who had talked about post-birth abortion. basically euthanasia this is a severe decline in a culture I mean Roe versus Wade is the base point it's the starting point and nobody objects to this what about that human life follow the science clearly that's a human life Clearly, that life can live outside the womb. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The science doesn't matter. Humanity doesn't matter. The fact that there's a second party involved doesn't matter. It's a civil right and a choice. Don't follow the science, but wear a mask. The ends justify the means. That's where they are. And so they're out there lying. Joe Biden's lying. Joe Biden was always a very stupid man, even when he had his wits. He was always a very stupid man. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. 
This is the best of Mark Levin. We've talked about this guy, Ellie Mistel, before, haven't we, Rich? The Nation, which is a crap magazine, it's always been anti-American in my view, he's their justice correspondent, and he's constantly on the Joy Reid show on MSNBC. We're well into May now, as we move along. The rumor was she'd be removed by March. Joy Reid... I think, not only helps spark hate in this country, but she also helps spark violence. And so do the other hateful, vile demagogues she knowingly brings on her program to spew their poison. And she's not alone. That entire network is filled with these reprobates. Starting with the morning show right into the night. Let's take a listen. Cut eight. Go. Planned Parenthood versus Casey. That's the one that said up until 1993, when that when that ruling happened, women had to ask their 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 husbands for permission of what to do with their bodies. They had to have a man's permission. Essentially, you were a ward of the man you marry. Okay, let's 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 slow down. First of all, that wasn't true in every state. And secondly, the view wasn't you have to ask your man for permission. The view was it took two people to create that baby. And that a person shouldn't get, a woman shouldn't get an abortion without at least informing that individual of what she was doing. Especially if they're married. I know that's such a horrific obstacle, isn't it? But you see the way they keep talking about it's a woman's body, it's a woman's body. It's also a baby's body. This is the one case where it's two bodies. It's two bodies. She doesn't talk about viability because she doesn't care about viability. She could care less. This is what I mean by the dehumanization that the left projects onto this body politic. It's not a baby. It's not a baby. It's a woman's body. It's a choice. It's a very radical, radical position. Go ahead. That is overlooked a lot, but that's also being thrown under the bus. Your thought about the decision itself. Alito's fundamental legal reasoning is that abortion is not a fundamental right because it doesn't go back to the founding because the founding fathers didn't recognize abortion as a fundamental right. And he's right about that. The founding fathers didn't recognize abortion as a fundamental right because the founding fathers were racist, misogynist jerk faces who didn't believe that women had any rights at all. Wow. Do you believe that? It's a legal analyst. So they did it because they were racist and anti-women. So to be for abortion on demand is to be pro-woman. Since when do the Marxists, since when do the Democrats, so when do these head cases represent women? The tens of millions of women in this country. Do you all line up behind Joy Reid and this clown Ellie Mistel, the jerk face. Do you line up behind him? Really? No, you don't. The vast majority of you don't. Listen to how he is screeching. Doesn't care about the law or the Constitution, and I've said this before. They do not believe the Constitution is legitimate, they do not believe the country is legitimate. That it was founded by jerk faces. So anything these jerk faces did is illegitimate. Even if they created a civil society, free speech, due process, property rights, the freedom of association, a free press, warrants in order to search people in their homes, all the civil liberties that are used to protect us, the Bill of Rights. Even though they did that, they're all jerk faces. And unless I get the result I want, this whole thing is illegitimate. Burn it down. He's the legal analyst, you see, for the nation. Go ahead. They didn't believe that women had rights to their own bodies. The founding fathers didn't believe that marital rape was a thing. 
couldn't be a thing, according to the founding fathers, according to Sam Alito. Marital rape a thing? Boy, this guy is as sick as they get. Marital rape? What does this have to do with any of that, ladies and gentlemen? The court says the federal constitution, we justices, nine of us, or some subset, we don't have a say in this. You have state legislatures, you have state governors. You have voting rights in the various states. You have criminal and civil laws in the various states. We shouldn't be taking positions on these. We shouldn't be nationalizing these decisions. And look at the response from this head case. Look at the response. They're racists in the media, pal. They're misogynists in the media today. They're bigots, like the host, on whose show you repeatedly appear when she goes after, and did, homosexuals and Jews. Are you aware of that, jerkface? Yes, we have racists and misogynists in the media today. Go ahead. That's the history that Sam Alito is 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 accessing. Look, either you believe He's not accessing that-, that history. Did you not read what he wrote? He said you're in the wrong place. Go to the states. Go ahead fathers in their infinite wrongness were overcome by the 14th amendment which guarantees equal protection to all people in this country or you don't and oh really don't- really you dumbass you jerk what are babies viable babies in the womb are they not people no they're just choices ladies and gentlemen no they're a salami sandwich that's all they are they don't mean anything. Just dehumanize them. What's the science say about a viable baby in the womb? Is it a baby? Or is it something else? What about the equal protection clause when it comes to them? Jerk face. Doesn't matter. They don't vote, you see. They can't speak for themselves. They can't defend themselves. They're just a choice. You have a right to do with them whatever you wish to do with them. That's what Jerkface has to say here. But he's no racist. He's no misogynist. Go ahead. believe that the 14th Amendment uh, uh, guarantees women rights to their own reproductive system, just like a man has... This isn't about reproductive systems. Women have a right to their own reproductive citizen uh, uh, system. But once you're dealing with another life... There's another life at issue, jerk face. And that's why you won't admit that it's another life. Not even in the last second before birth, jerk face. And where else on the face of the earth? Where else on the face of the earth are babies treated like this? By any people of any race, of any religion, of any background. Communist regimes, surely. Certain fascistic regimes. But almost every culture rejects what Jerkface is saying here. Go ahead. His own reproductive system. If you don't believe that, then we are living in a, in a situation ah, where shut women... shut up, you idiot. I don't even know why I wasted time on you. Maybe it's because you're a foil. That's why. Ohio. The power of Donald Trump is unquestionable. Unquestionable. People love him. I adore him. I adore Donald Trump. Why? Because he takes on our enemies. Because he doesn't back down. Because he makes promises and he keeps them. He gets up every morning, comes under attack from some damn Democrat elected prosecutor or these frauds on the January 6th committee, and he keeps fighting. He pushes back. He did more to secure the southern border than any president of my lifetime. 
He built up the United States military, he backed law enforcement. And unlike so many who claim to speak for him or his surrogates, he's not a pacifist, he's not an isolationist. He believes we should be helping the people in Ukraine. And when he sees inhumanity on a wide scale, as he saw it in Syria, as he saw it with ISIS, as he saw it with the Republican Guard, so-called, in Iran, he took action. Whereas many of his mouthpieces, so-called mouthpieces and surrogates, disagree with him. I have supported Trump in all these actions. When he admonished NATO, he came under attack. But he was right. And his sanctions against Russia were undone by Biden. His tax cuts reinforced our capitalist market system. And he knew who our enemies were. And he didn't bow to them or bend over backwards. All of this while they were trying to impeach him and remove him from office twice. All of this with a coup. All of this with a criminal investigation. For no damn reason whatsoever. So we identify with him. And we support him. God knows I do. Now in Ohio, every single candidate he endorsed won. You can't ignore that. That is a big, big deal. The media were laying in wait to try and say Trumpism is over. Now they're moving to Pennsylvania, North Carolina. One loss and they'll pin it to his chest. But that was never in doubt, the power of Donald Trump. That's why the Republicans running and vying for the Republican nomination for the Senate. That's why so many of them sought Donald Trump's endorsement. They knew it was the gold standard. And I was very, and am, disappointed they didn't endorse a candidate who I knew for many, many years, who many of us had already endorsed before April 15, Josh Mandel. And to this day, I believe Josh Mandel would be a fantastic senator from Ohio. So he endorsed J.D. Vance. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how J.D. Vance won. Period. He was in third or fourth place far behind until Trump endorsed him. So that's how he won. He didn't win on the strength of his arguments. He didn't win on the strength of his personality. He didn't win on the strength of his record, of which there was none. Why am I saying all of this? Because I listened to some of his victory speech. And he goes on the attack against a group called Club for Growth which has been around a very long time and has helped elect many, many solid people to the Senate, and which has backed Donald Trump, as a matter of fact. But not just them. The things he said and his surrogates said about Josh Mandel, a combat veteran, a Tea Party activist, and so forth and so on, were horrific. They were mad at Club for Growth and their ads, but they're separate and apart from the Mandel campaign, as everybody knew. I even contacted one of them and said, why are you doing this? You think you're helping POTUS? You're not helping POTUS. This guy, Tim Ryan, is bad news. He is a bad dude. He pretends to be a moderate. He's a radical leftist. He's voted with the Democrat leadership 100% of the time, and he hates Trump. He needs to be defeated. He must be defeated. And so when I heard Vance saying some of these things, I thought to myself, you better pull this Republican Party in Ohio together. You better not be so damn cocky. Because you really didn't win this race. Donald Trump won the race for you. That's the fact. That's how you came from third and fourth down to number one. With a relatively sizable victory. 
but you got 32% of the vote. This guy, Ryan, got 70% of the Democrat Party vote. 70%. Vance got 32% of the vote. He got a plurality. The other guy got a supermajority. Vance is going to need every Republican, certainly every conservative he can get. And if he's going to keep doing a victory lap, not because he won and taking on this guy, Ryan, but... We showed them in the Republican primary. He's going to have a tough time. He's going to have a tough time. So my advice to Vance is, get your ego under control. Get your ego under control. Unite the Republican Party. This is exactly what Trump did after the primary. He united the party, gave a major speech in Gettysburg. I remember the day it happened which was basically reaching out to conservatives all over the country. And they agreed and supported him. So it's very, very important. We can't lose that seat. You're asking me, would I vote for the guy? I mean, considering the choice, yes. Yes, I would. But it's his job to rally the troops. And it's his job to tell his surrogates to get their ass under control and to shut their mouths and to try and pull that party together. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. I ask you, the citizens of the United States, is this what you want? Is this what you want? Your borders wide open with people pouring into the country. Millions of people, truly. Some of whom are extraordinarily violent. Sex trafficking like we've never seen before. Fentanyl coming into our cities, killing our young people at rates we've never seen before. Overwhelming our welfare system, our health system, local law enforcement, and our school systems. Is this what you want? The debasing of the dollar. The debasing of the dollar. By massive government spending in one year, like we've never seen in American history. Ostensibly to fight the virus. When hundreds of billions of dollars went to Democrat Party operatives, like the teachers' unions, radical left-wing groups, Democrat states that have spent themselves into near bankruptcy, nothing to do with the virus. Trillions of dollars. Is this what you want? Sitting on the edge of your chair, wondering if they're going to spend five or six trillion more on top of what they've already spent. Which would push this nation, I am absolutely certain, into a depression. Is this what you want? The war, the constant war on our constitutional construct. The independence of the Supreme Court long before the outrageous leak of this first draft. Threatening Supreme Court justices from the Democrat leader. Threatening the court with packing the court. Is this what you want? Centralizing and nationalizing the voting system. Eliminating Voter ID in every town, city, village, and state in this country. Ensuring that there will be fraud. Allowing Democrats to make last-second decisions on what the voting laws say. Is that what you want? Crime. Unbridled crime. Murder in the streets, like we've never seen before in this country, from sea to shining sea. People breaking into homes, 
breaking into businesses in the middle of the day, stealing, beating, shooting people. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? Abortion on demand, compelled by a federal Supreme Court, requiring every state to provide abortion up to the last second, partial birth abortion, when everybody knows that's a viable baby. Going much further than Roe v. Wade and Casey ever went. Is that what you want? Elizabeth Warren calling the shots, Chuck Schumer calling the shots, Joe Biden calling the shots, Kamala Harris calling the shots. Is that what you want? A standing mob backed by billionaires and millionaires and dark money funneled into these groups so you can't tell who's doing this. Threatening public officials if they don't, if they don't bow to the demands of the Democrat Party mob. Is this what you want? No, I don't think this is what you want, but this is what we have. This is where we are today. Because the Democrat Party controls all levers of elected government, both houses of the Congress, the White House, and of course they control the permanent bureaucracy. They are demanding to eliminate the filibuster rule because they do not want something like an election to get in the way of their momentary control. It's 50-50 in the Senate with the vice president voting to break any ties. 50-50 in the Senate. They want to be able to fundamentally alter this society, the government, the culture, with a 50-50 Senate and a four-vote majority in the House. They know what we know. Freedom once lost is typically lost forever. It's certainly much harder to claw it back. Programs are created. Decisions are made. Cultures are changed. How effective have we been? How effective have the Republicans been at reversing course? Not effective in the least. The Democrat Party and the Marxist movement controls the media. They control almost all of big tech except for one company, and they think that's one too many. Twitter. They can't wait for the day where they can shut me down in conservative talk radio. And they're busy pressuring cable companies to deplatform Fox. Even though they control 98% of all media platforms, all news platforms. It's not enough. It's not enough. They lie over and over again. What's causing inflation? Pick any of the five, but don't pick Biden or the Democrat Party or spending, which of course is the reason. They lie and lie about energy. Energy costs are literally going through the roof. I mean, I was watching yesterday and today. Where I live, it went up five cents in one day. And it's going up five cents every other day. And we're lucky to have it. How did we get to this place from energy independence? 18 short months ago under Trump. Because they've destroyed our fossil fuel industries. 
and they can't fix it because they're ideologically incapable of fixing it. They'd rather talk to Venezuela and Saudi Arabia, which apparently are more ideologically in sync with the Democrat Party than even our oil businesses. They want us to use pronouns so we don't identify each other as Mr. or Mrs., him or her, he or she. And yet they don't. When it comes to aborting babies, all they ever talk about are women. Women, 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 women. Can you define a woman? No. But it's women, 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 women. The insanity. The insanity, the evilness of these people knows no limits. Right up to the leaking of this first draft. They weren't defining women. They weren't defending women. They were, they were destroying women's sports. They were saying using the word women is discriminatory against people who are transitioning or non-women and the genitalia is between the ears and not between the legs. The whole women's movement was going down on the Titanic Biden. Now all of a sudden they stand for women's rights. Every single woman in the country is represented by Biden and Schumer and Pelosi and the radicals. Every woman in the country. Really? Then they say they're taking away a woman's right to choose. The sickening dehumanization of a baby. It's a choice. That's all. Just a choice. You're not opposed to choices, are you? It's a woman's body. You're not opposed to a woman being in control of her own body as opposed to somebody else, are you? It's a privacy right, don't you know? Well, what about the baby's body? What about the baby who's incapable of choosing? What about the baby's privacy right? That's not a baby. So the woman's not a woman unless they want the woman to be a woman. And the baby's not a baby unless they have some program where they want to redistribute wealth. But otherwise, it's not a baby. Even if the science says it's a baby. You have a right to have control over your own body. Except, of course, when it comes to vaccines and masks. When it comes to abortion. We must dehumanize the baby. They are so radical, so extreme. They go far beyond Roe versus Wade. I'm the first one to explain this. It's about time some of the legal analysts and the backbenchers get with it. They're going beyond Roe versus Wade. They're going beyond Casey. In many of these states, should we outlaw that? Should we outlaw that? If they don't believe in states' rights... Well, maybe we ought to outlaw it as a national matter, huh? That would be my view. Wouldn't it be your view? It wouldn't be constitutional. That's the problem. But if that's the view of the Constitution, that sword swings in both directions. You watch these fools on TV, whether they're hosts or reporters, so-called, or experts. That's a joke. Or read what they have to say in these phony columns, these editorials, and even these news items. They're lying. 